Boutini. Oh, hello everyone. Sorry, no time for a full introduction as it's a long episode today. The series is... That's right, and the episode is... Thank you. So, let's get started. So, welcome back to the Randomizer, and uh, oddly enough, after a, uh, a first episode with Terror Hawks a few weeks ago, we're now back with another first episode Please. of UFO. And uh, I do like how effective this opening sequence is. Take Jean back to the car. I must get this. Straight out of the gate, we're in very different territory than we were with the end of the Secret Service. I mean, that shot of Jean lying against the tree full of bullet holes, and uh, there's that um, deleted scene you'll find on the, the DVDs and Blu-rays, deleted shot, I sh should say, that uh, you're full close-up on the, the bullet holes and the injury detail. It's uh, very nasty stuff. I, I also like, although this is a shot day for night, which doesn't always work, I mean, it's it's bright daylight for most of the time, I like... Not only do we have no idea who the Carlins are at this point, I also like that we just get this very brief glimpse of the alien spacesuit through the bushes. We just see enough to know that it's something... something unusual. Also, we see the, um, the, the, the... Mo the nuzzle of the um, is it nuzzle or muzzle? I don't know, and I don't care. Uh, of the uh, of the alien machine gun, it's it's rather like the uh, the way the Daleks were revealed, almost just that sink plunger waving into shot. But Peter is uh, injured. Leela is presumably captured, and I do like that transition from uh, her scream to the plane landing. And I will let you in on a little secret. I'm a bit annoyed because I just had a, a power cut while I was recording this. I'd got 12 minutes in to the episode, and uh, then there was a power cut. I'm not recording this commentary onto a separate recorder anymore. I record it direct to the computer. So, that first 12 minutes of my original randomizer for Identified, sadly, no longer exists. It's gone. Which is a shame because I said some really interesting things, probably. But there we go. There's a little piece of randomizer history, so I may have to uh, stop this every so often just to mash control s and uh, make sure i don't lose any more anyway this chap uh, mr straker and his friend minister this is colonel straker how do you know sir general henderson have arrived in england the prime minister's already at checkers we'll be there in 30 minutes got out of their plane into a limo we've been in constant communication with paris moscow and bonn during your visits i think the british government's approval will be formality this is basil dignam playing the uh, the cabinet minister here who is i believe the holder of the uh most appearances in any ITC production. He was in basically everything. He's, he's not going to be uh, long in this episode, but uh, we also have Grant Taylor here as General Henderson, and I, I've always wondered whether it was always the plan to bring him back after this episode, or they just felt that he was a good enough actor sure is at the back. that he would be a, a, a good foil for Straker. It's an enlarged single frame from the cine film, sir. But we see that the Carlin's camera survived. Be a fake. The film was found undeveloped still in the camera, and it's genuine. Take my word for it. Even if we don't know if they did or not. And here's a nice... Uh, again, I do like this pre-title sequence, possibly more than the rest of the episode. I like that um, we don't see the UFO at first, we just hear that noise. And it's not even the regular UFO noise, it's that uh, slightly different one. Keep pace with the escort. That sort of whistly hum. Just the uh, the motorbike rider up the front of the limo, just sort of looking up at the sky, 
something's going on. I'll take the file, sir. Put it in his trusty briefcase. The magic locks. Still no UFO, but there's lots of noise. Oh, explosion time. That's it, they got the rider who, uh, who reported it. The other one's still hanging on in there. Unfortunately, the limo driver... Nope, he's just taking a shot through the window. Security man's taken over. And uh, although I like the way the, the model shot of the UFO is integrated with the live action of the limo, not so keen on the model shot of the limo going off the road and, uh, and through the, the, the brick wall there. It does look very Captain Scarlet-y, but thankfully I don't think they hold on it for too long. That's it. Limo gone. Straker appears to be the only survivor. And we don't quite hold on him long enough there to see that uh, the, the chain that holds his briefcase to his wrist has snapped off. The briefcase burst open and that photo of the UFO going up in flames. And now we get our episode title, Pink Bottom Lady. Yeah, this is a uh, this is an odd way to uh, to present the credits. Um, I do like actually though that uh, oh Edward Bishop, yes, he was Edward Bishop for the first few episodes, wasn't he? I do like the way this establishes. Here's this seemingly ordinary woman arriving at this uh, seemingly ordinary film studio, and Aisha is, is such a sort of minor character, even though she's there for a very long time throughout the series. She's such a minor character that you might not have noticed this on first broadcast. Here's. Uh, Oh, Gabriel. Oh, Tifa too. And here's the big man himself arriving. Commander Straker. And I like at first that you're not aware that there's been a, a passing of time as such. You only really twig that because he uh, he now looks so different than he did before. Morning, sir. Morning. That was Penny Spencer there as a secretary, um, who later returned in uh, Question of Priorities as a shadow operative. I think she had more in this episode, but... Uh, that was cut. Messages. And Straker's other favourite secretary is here, Miss Eland. And here's something I don't like about this episode. And it's going to be prevalent quite a lot through this story. Q21, answer negative. Q46, satellite link effective. Q9700, the computer readouts available from today. Lots of people reading numbers that don't actually mean anything. And I get that this is kind of a holdover from the puppet days. You know, you had the puppets reading off numbers and things because they couldn't always do that much. But um, with live actors, it's it's not particularly interesting, at least I find. Uh, there's even an, an even more um, notable example of this later on. And speaking of notable examples... Mr. Freeman to see you, sir. Yes, uh, it's our first appearance of Alec Freeman. Mr. Freeman. But the girl in reception calls me Alec. Who's channeling Austin Powers for this week. Well, doesn't that inflame you with jealousy? Obviously it doesn't. And it's an interesting characterisation as well. I think, firstly, it's an interesting choice to present George Sewell as uh, as the ladies' man. But soft. What light through yonder window breaks? Which isn't a part of his characterisation that really stuck around is the sun. after this episode. Positive identification, 9-7. I think they, they kind of combined Freeman with what they wanted Foster to be, and uh, since there is no Foster equivalent in this episode, we just kind of get this, uh, this odd Frankenstein monster of the two. Um, Alec Freeman's sex pest, almost. He's a... Uh, He's very out of um, out of the norm. But thankfully, I think George Sewell is likable enough that he just about gets away with it. Um, you know, it's not too. Um, it doesn't make the part too unlikable. But here. Good morning, sir. Good morning. 
Yep, another full-frame shot of a lady's bottom and Alex's tongue practically rolling out of his head. I, uh... Again, I get, you know, Jerry Anderson was like, okay, here, here we go, live actors, proper grown-up stuff. But he made that mistake, I think, that uh, some people make um, grown-up equals sex. And uh, it's not always the case. And here, another nice touch here, just um, our introduction to the uh, the underground shadow complex. And also now we see Aisha, who we saw arriving at the studio earlier. Oh my god, there's a man smoking on duty back there. I think actually later on, I'll mention it now in case I don't spot it there's a woman in shadow uh control doing her makeup trouble oh, why else would i send for you you know i don't like you that's been established alec that's westbrook electronics isn't it yeah what's left of it well what happened for 10 years there have been setbacks and this establishes we are now 10 years after the uh the pre-title sequence errors of judgment and other mishaps let's put westbrook electronics down to other mishaps and all because we asked a man in pink to guard it. So bang goes the Utronic project. Just when we thought we really had something to track them down. Now don't panic, Alec. The Utronic equipment is safe. It wasn't in the building. I do like that, uh, don't panic, Alec. I, I know it's cheesy. It's cheesy in the extreme, but... Uh, Shadow have had Moonbase and the other satellites on... I wouldn't say no to a, a t-shirt or a baseball cap with that on. Been a few UFO sightings, but no interceptions. We've got the teeth. Soon we'll have the eyes. Now, Freeman, you know how important this is to our whole organization. Now, the Utronic design team and the equipment are ready to be picked up in Los Angeles and flown here to England. Now, I'm making you responsible for the security of the entire operation. I mean you, personally. Right. And again, some early installment weirdness, as you often get with, uh, with um, shows. The way Straker and Freeman talk to each other in these early episodes is in no way reflective of the uh, the close friendship that we we later come to discover they uh, they've enjoyed for a very long time part of the personal service shadow control this is seagull x-ray confirm arrival stevenson base los angeles 0835 takeoff scheduled 1100 hours roger seagull x-ray call moon base will you yes sir and here's something else that i find um odd about this episode and it kind of limits my enjoyment of it a bit is that this episode much like expect the unexpected actually it feels less like a story in its own right and more a sort of shopping list of things we need to introduce uh, and i get obviously it's the first episode of a, a series oh no i'm sorry about that the um the microphone fell out of its holder the, uh, someone has put a curse on me someone is trying to prevent me from getting all the way through identified i'm gonna keep going um i have no idea what i was just talking about but here is something that i was talking about earlier status check more numbers target affirmative magnetic field buttons being pressed saturation density and a man pretending to be a robot Later. which i've always found quite amusing code okay displacements go audience Board. Check. Fluctuation. It doesn't mean anything. Reflex. Excuse me. Oh no, don't interrupt the numbers. Shadow control for you, Lieutenant. Good morning, Gay. I think I might have some action for you. I love that reaction shot of Gay. I don't know who she's looking at. I guess it's Joan, but it's almost straight to the camera, almost fourth wall breaking. Hello, VIPs and the Utronic equipment. So let's keep everybody on their toes. We can't afford to take chances. Roger. 
Joan, announce a yellow alert for 10.45. I love that there's also no explanation for the purple hair. Straight out of the gate. I think this is going to be for real. I'm going to take a break. I'll be back about 10.30. Okay. And here we have a scene that uh, often gets cut on uh, repeat broadcasts. Uh, certainly in the UK, and I know it does uh, in America as well, and has done for about 20 years. Um, this scene of Gay going off duty and... Uh, is a Shakira Bakesh in her underwear and uh, gay stripping out of her uniform and such. Now, this scene, I always find it um, slightly amusing when um, people complain about this scene getting cut from repeat broadcasts. Um, sort of, ah, oh, no, we can't. They don't want us to see it. Oh, it's, 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 they've gone all PC. It's PC gone mad. Woke agenda. Ah! Um, but actually, what you may not realise is that uh, this episode of UFO is longer than any other. It's longer by about 1 minute and 25 seconds. If you're interested, the next longest episode after this is ESP. Uh, the absolute shortest is Survival. So, you know, it's kind of what broadcasters do, unfortunately. They tend to cut two minutes or so out of every episode for, for adverts and such. Here's a 90-second scene that adds nothing to the story beyond, uh, you know some nice things to look at and um obviously it's going to be the first casualty when broadcasters are, are skimming through looking for a scene to cut hi. Hi, oh hi mark this alert what do you think another false alarm and also anybody who knows the show well enough to to know that this scene is cut when they see a repeat broadcast probably already has the show on dvd they've probably got it a cup of coffee. they can watch the whole scene over and over again whenever they like so, um, yeah, I do find the hysteria that surrounds that scene being removed as often as it is quite amusing. Um, I mean, for the record, I would, I would love it if um, we lived in a world where these things didn't have to be trimmed for broadcast. Yes, Unfortunately, it's just a fact of life, and um, some of these older shows, particularly these early episodes of UFO, move at a, a fairly slow pace. There is quite a lot of padding we can remove. But, uh, yeah, I just I just find the hysteria surrounding that. You always know it's going to come, and, uh, yeah, I find it funny. Sorry, it's, it's um, I, I hate to get political, but um, I'm recording this um, the morning after some, uh, some Star Wars news has broken, and, uh, you know what, I'm tired. I'm so tired of all the uh, capital letters I've seen this morning. Anyway... Putting uh, Gay's stripping scene, or, or lack thereof, to one side, we're now on Skydiver. 10.45. Right. And, um, we, yeah, um, that scene was almost entirely pointless. It's just, again, it's a shopping list of elements. Here's Moonbase. Nothing happens there. Here's Skydiver. Nothing really happens there either. Sorry, sir. How long have you been with us, Ford? Just over two years, sir. Two years? And yet I distinctly remember seeing you ten years ago when we were setting up Shadow Control. Now look. Yeah, that, that's another unfortunate little continuity blip. Base, the satellites. Here we're establishing the, uh, the ruthlessness of Shadow Security, I think. Now 400 people work up there, and not one of them knows all this exists. And also um, the idea of Ford as uh, Straker's favourite whipping boy. Studio's chief Anything that goes wrong, it's always Ford's fault. But my real function is, that's what security's all about. Again, it's it's a nice idea. Sometimes it's pretty difficult. Difficult. 
to establish something that, that I think will become fairly notable in later episodes, the um, the human cost of the shadow operation. Have you ever thought about the victims of UFO incidents? But here it's a bit forced. I mean... Consider their parents, brothers, sisters. Ford has been with them for two years. He knows this stuff. They can never know the truth. He would never really make this mistake, except he has to here for this scene to work. Their loved one may turn up, clinging to a thread of hope. Don't ever tell me that security's difficult. Sometimes it gets pretty close to home. Mm. And that immediately sets up uh, the possibilities for future installments. Uh, what's gone on in Straker's life that uh, minutes, he's lost. Be right with you. Stevenson Base, this is Seagull X-ray. Liftoff check complete. Liftoff clearance. Roger Seagull X-ray. You are clear to go. Yeah. 10.45. Right. I do rather like the idea that um, shadow operatives in this episode are having to keep an eye on what other shadow operatives are doing. This is a, a big operation and we've all got to be in sync. But uh, at the same time, it's not especially interesting. Airspeed building. 130. 140. Even with Shane Rimmer here to again read numbers for us. 160 V1. VR. Rotate. I do like how cool Shane Rimmer looks for most of this episode, though. Base calling Sid. Speaking of cool things, here's another thing to tick off our list. Intruder detector. Pass your message. Our plummy voiced space intruder detector, Sid. The electronic equipment is airborne. Track progress of aircraft until further notice. Keep sharp lookout for UFO. Please pass your code so that your instructions can be complied with. All more numbers. Standing by. Oh, we don't even get to hear these numbers. Thank you. Your code is correct. I have Seagull X-ray on scanners. It is on course. I love the way Gabrielle Drake looks out of the window there at the lunar surface. Nice touch on her part to make it look like it's real. It's confirmed course correct. Then she almost forgets her line at the end of this scene. Right. Maintain tracking. I do wonder though with Sid, um again, I'm not aware of them using a, a password to uh, to access him in any other episode. Is there um is there ever a chance that they might forget their Sid password and they have to deal with um you have entered incorrect password. Please confirm that you are not a robot. Hydroplane's check complete, sir. Okay. Steer 042. Maintain present speed. So we've now established that uh, the chap we saw in the forest, Captain Carlin, is um, is now working for Shadow. He's aboard the submarine. I'm going back to do my stuff with the passengers. Right. Passenger is a passenger. I saw her too. She's kind of cute. But again, beyond him looking a bit sort of um, thoughtful, there's no real... Um, there's not a whole lot to the character, really, until later. Herr Marla? Here are our passengers, though. Colonel Alec Freeman. Herr Marla? I can't remember who's playing him. Congratulate you and your team, Herr Marla. This looks like the breakthrough we've been waiting for. But Super Mario Nation voice artist Gary Files is making a, a screen appearance. Um, he mostly has his back to the camera, so you uh, wouldn't necessarily know it's him. How do you do, Colonel? Well, for the first time in my career, I wish I was flying subsonic aircraft. Uh, the trip would take that much longer. But we also have... Virginia Lake and her mighty hair. And straight away, Alec is uh, is putting the moves on her. Would you like to see the Utronic equipment, Colonel? Oh, here we go. I think your equipment is fabulous, but uh, I am familiar with it. Boom. Yes. 
Something else for the shop, um, shop.jerryanderson.co.uk, Alec Freeman's little book of chat-up lines. Extremely little, Anson. Well, anyway, it means we'll be able to detect UFOs even when they're flying many times the speed of light in deep space. But it is odd um, watching this scene and knowing that Wanda Ventham would be back later in the series basically taking George Sewell's job from him. I mean, not, not on purpose or anything. Don't you think you'd better get back to your little seat up front? So, yeah, it is strange to think that, yeah, those two characters actually did meet. You were right. You are familiar. With the equipment. Oh. This is getting very saucy. Saucier than a direct hit on a Heinz factory. Lake almost seems, almost seems like a, a slightly different character than she would later be. I think one of the things I, I really like about Colonel Lake is... um. She is absolutely ruthless. Here, she's a bit of a sort of, almost a sort of scared little girl. And something else I don't like about this episode, and I'm afraid it is going to be one of those randomizers where I say, I don't like this, I don't like this. There's a lot of waiting in this episode, and I know they are waiting for a UFO to show itself. But, um, you know, Straker plodding around, Shadow HQ, nothing to do. Is Gay Ellis sat on Moonbase? Nothing to do. You know, when you when the characters themselves are bored, it doesn't do much to keep the audience interested. Now Gay is uh, making sure her lipstick is okay, because you want to look your best for when those uh, those alien invaders come a calling. Red alert! Red alert! UFO four two eight. 146 green. But now I think we're, we're getting into a much cooler territory. Firstly, I think I really want to say actually how fabulous Mel Oxley is as the voice of Sid. He's just. This is Moonbase to Shadow Control. Predicted trajectory termination. You know, Sid is, is a plot device. He's a, he's a machine. But giving him his own voice makes him a character almost. And he's one of my favourite characters on the show despite not being a character. And just that very plummy voice. You know, it's the end of the world, but everything will be okay. Listen to my nice, calm voice. I just, I don't know if I would have liked Sid um, as much if another actor had been performing that voice. I mean, I don't know who else would have been under consideration, but I'm very glad they went with Mel Oxley. But something else that makes this scene very cool, and I think the interceptor launch sequence is always cool, despite the fact that I have no idea how they get into the machines. The the shot of them going down the slide looks amazing, and then we have this music. And as much as I love Barry Gray, as obviously all of us do, I um I I'm not I wouldn't say his work on UFO was among his best. A lot of it is just sort of riffing on the basic UFO theme, but when he does that for like the interceptor launch theme there, it sounds so good. So it's it's making even the uh, the numbers that Gay is about to read out here. MCC reading 1 sound a bit cool. 1 2 6 4 one one zero. Uh, Timing two four nine six. And the bonus ball is. Program completed. Yeah, I'm. I'm sorry if I'm if I'm ragging on somebody's absolute favourite episode of UFO. If you really love the uh, the numbers being read off and uh, 
people just kind of sitting around looking bored. Firing five decimal four please, please, um, you good, good for you, good for you if you like the the numbers in this episode. There are a lot of numbers in this episode. I've never quite uh, enjoyed all that stuff. Anyway, our first attack on a UFO by the interceptors. And it goes about as well as it would go for the rest of the series, in fact. Negative. It's through. Uh-oh. Even Ford doesn't know what to do. He looks very confused. Well, don't just sit there. Warn Skydiver. And get me Alec Freeman. Oh, I think there was the woman who was doing her, uh, her lipstick, possibly. She was certainly uh, adjusting her hair. But I love that um, Straker says to Ford, don't just sit there. It's like, that is Ford's job, to sit there. And wait for you to yell at him. Approaching the North Atlantic. I'm afraid we must assume that this aircraft is its target. We're going to reduce height in order to gain the advantage of cloud cover. This will mean we'll have to reduce speed. But of course, in the dense atmosphere, so will the UFO. Presumably, that increases Shadow's chances of intercepting it. Yes, it does. I'm trying to find some way to leer at somebody or make some saucy comment, and I just can't do it. It's too serious. Have positive radar fix. Up to skydiver now. In position, sir. Right. Stand by. So skydiver's moving into position. One zero. Having some more numbers there. Stations. Launch stations. And here's something again. Clear. Clear two. More people spouting things. Okay. Lift off station. That mean nothing. Lift off stations. Checking boosters. Circuits. Uh, sandwiches. Cupcakes. Full circuits. Okay. Checking boosters. Uh, and. It's strange with Skydiver that they go out of their way to throw all of this, all of this dialogue into this procedure of launching Sky One. And really, after this episode, they never do it like, like this again. There's nobody standing there with a clipboard going, circuits, boosters, relays. By the end of the series, the, the unnamed uh, David Warbeck, unnamed Skydiver captain, he just barrels straight in there. He gets, he gets told to launch and he's off. Uh, it is a very, very nice reveal of uh, of the fact that Skydiver has a plane on the front. It isn't immediately obvious when you first see the submarine. Control from Sky One, Airborne. Roger, Sky One. So yeah, we've had we've had the reveal of Moon Base. We've had the reveal of Sid. We've had the reveal of Skydiver. Now, basically, they introduce everything in this episode except the mobiles. Lower heat shield. Right. They save those for computer affair. I don't like it. These clouds give about as much cover as a G-string on a belly dancer. <laughs> I have a lot of sex, you know. I'm very sexually motivated. What's your position? Shut up, Alec Freeman. Level off at Keep it in your pants. I do... I, I, I find it kind of amusing, actually, how uh, how off Alec Freeman's character is in this. Um, again, casting George Sewell as the ladies' man is... Um, Sky one to Seagull X-ray. Yeah, it's an interesting choice. Closing rapidly. But the way he's... Leering and sleezing his way around this story in a way that he never would again uh, is quite funny. Not that I'm condoning his behaviour for a moment, but uh, there we are. It's just it's just fun to see uh, early instalments of shows how how wrong they can get characters who would uh, later on become very well established. You four at twelve o'clock. You are the target. Coming into attack. I also like the way this um, battle between. Uh, Sky One and the UFO as it's closing in on uh, on the Shad airplane. I, I like the way they establish that all of these players are on multiple levels. 
um, and Sky One is above all of them. And then that's there's that nice shot of the UFO coming out of the sun. UFO landed cloud layer. Keep a sharp lookout. Roger. Oh, if it gives us a, a chance to sit around and wait, I'm all for it. Does anyone have some numbers they could reel off? So, somebody say the word circuits or boosters. We'll have to rely on Shane Rimmer and his cool sunglasses to carry us through. Hold up. Hold up steady. And I like that Shane's here and I like that he returned in later episodes. I kind of wish he was a he was a regular a, a regular pilot or something. I also find it interesting there's no music as uh, Sky One finally closes in and hits the UFO. That's it. I always love the, the tufts of pink smoke pumping out of the side, though. Hit on UFO. It's going to crash into the sea. Good shooting, Sky One. Come in, Seagull X-Ray. Alec, are you okay? I've aged about five years, but we're still in one piece. I can still have sex. It's something I do a lot. I do like as well when the, the UFO goes under the, the bubbling, the pink water. Just like the pink smoke coming out the side. Straight under. I'm sure it's one of those... Um, Substances that was uh, it seems to be breaking up used a lot in in TV shows at the time before it was realised that it was um, horribly dangerous and banned. There's a body. Please confirm. Did you say body? Yes, it's a body. Oh, so they've got a body and a nice. I, I don't know where they they filmed this alien uh, lying face down in the water. Um, I wouldn't have fancied being, given what I've heard about how uncomfortable it was to be in the alien suit, I wouldn't have fancied putting it on and going into water, and it looks like there is somebody really in there. Anyway, Alex back at Shadow HQ. How's it going, Alec? Everybody's smoking, because of course they are, and I like that Straker is playing with the, um, the bracelet that his, uh, his briefcase was attached to earlier. It's like him remembering, ah, so that's where it all began, and this is where it's all going to end. I think I will. And here we're introducing the drinks machine. You never touch it, do you? Uh, self-control. Maybe drinking needs more self-control. I'll talk more about that after I've had my third or fourth glass. It arrived. Any time now. Again, it's another interesting facet of Straker's character of the drinks machine, and uh, although he wasn't absolutely teetotal, I think there's an episode or ten years. two where he has he does have a drink from there. It's been ten I want to say ESP. Confirmed UFO landing on Earth. He mostly never touches it, so I don't know why that's there as a temptation for him. Denials, you name it. You know, Alec, when I was made commander of Shadow. Maybe uh, it's only there because Alec had it. Uh, Alec made the request. Yes. Mayland Hospital, Shadow Section. Your special patient has arrived, sir. We will use Underground Corridor 32 to Shadow Medical Center. Right. Slight discrepancy there. We saw the model ambulance pulling up outside Harlington Straker Studios, around the back. But I do love how freaky the alien looks on uh, on first sight. Looking straight into the camera with those milky eyes and the uh, you know, the blood. Well done, Peter. I would have to imagine even on... on viewing it in black and white as most people would have saw that saw this back in the day it would have looked creepy enough but the fact that the now on 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 hd on blu-ray the colors are so vivid the uh the bright blue of the skin and the bright red and the uh what's the position doctor those uh, unsettling eyes well he was equipped with an advanced apparatus that enabled him to breathe liquid the helmet was removed as soon as he was picked up an attempt was made to restore normal breathing 
I love that there's no real uh, isolation of this alien either, just in case he's brought some uh, some bacteria to Earth that could potentially wipe out everybody. No, no, no. Straker and Freeman just walk straight in and uh, thing we've been experimenting with. and breathe the air that he's uh, they've done it. He's breathing, no problem. Let me know the moment you have anything, Doctor. So it's back to the waiting, which I suppose is okay. There's um, you know, it's intercut with the. Uh, the scenes of the operation of uh, Dr. Schroeder tinkering with the alien. I'm a bit squeamish about eye-related stuff, uh, as I'm sure many people are. So um, there's that horrible moment coming up where Schroeder pulls out a metal implement and starts poking the, um, the protective contact lenses, and you hear that click, click, click noise. But for a moment, you're not sure. Oh, it's very, uh, very nasty stuff. Here we go, yep. Oh, the bulging. That's it. That's the bit that gets me. The way the contact lens just bulges in the eye socket. And uh, luckily, he has a uh, contact lens removal kit. There's a sort of human eye underneath. This is uh, Gito Santana playing our alien, who uh, went on to play a lot of aliens in later episodes. Commander Straker. And this uh, actress playing the nurse, I believe her name is Annette Kerr. She was also the nurse at the end of Doppelganger. Is he alive, Doctor? Yes. Well? Well, the general analysis has shown that he's humanoid. Oh, I could have told you that. Like us? More or less. Yes, I get the feeling if this was done today, the, um, the alien would be in absolute isolation and people treating him would have been, you know, decontaminated and decontaminated and almost quarantined first electromedical check after dealing with him but um Schroeder's just walking around you know he's washed his hands um but the door to the um the medical Man. room is open and the door to the room where the alien is is wide open so if he's carrying anything uh, it's spread to the whole complex by this point what is but now we start to get the answers to some questions this preliminary test shows organ and gland transplants oh So that man from very far away has got bits from people very close to home in him. Fact. On a number of fully documented occasions, mutilated bodies found after UFO attacks. Organs missing. Fact. An electromedical examination on the first alien we lay our hands on shows organ transplants. The doctors aren't certain. No. Not yet. But I'm willing to bet that our proof lies at the end of that corridor. I'm also not too keen on uh, Straker's um, Straker's costume in in this episode. This um, tan and brown thing—it looks very tight in uh, in areas that uh, a gentleman wouldn't necessarily want it to be tight. So I'm kind of glad that they um, they gave him like actual proper tailored suits very soon after this. I think that costume kind of disappears after the third episode. Anyway, our alien chappy, who of course has been left unattended, is having a bit of trouble breathing. I do like the way they um, they introduce the the decaying, the aging makeup on him here. Zoom in on his face and then cut to the strange, weird lights and then just pull back out and oh, he's not looking so well. Dr. Schroeder? Intensive care unit, we have an emergency. I also like that he's got that bandage on his cheek. I mean, you know, he suffered severe head injury, but, uh, you know, there's also that nasty, nasty cut on his cheek. We've got to deal with that. 
but it's not looking good. I'm afraid he's dead. Oh, well. Yep, establishing here the uh, aliens um, reverting to their true age when they are exposed to our atmosphere. Again, you know, I, I, I like on one hand that um, you get the feeling humanity is just kind of you know, fumbling their, their way through this first encounter with a real alien. But on the other hand, some of the magic, medical procedures here are a bit questionable. When can I have a post-mortem? 48 hours. Make it 24 I also like that Gito Santana kept coming back because he does look... Just what really matters. Well, those are the details. Yeah, he does look, um... Not... I, I, I can't... How, how, what's a good way of saying someone looks like an alien? That's not what I'm trying to say, but he does have a sort of otherworldly quality that makes him quite suited for playing, uh, for playing the aliens. Now, the fact that the lungs were filled with an oxygenated liquid seems to indicate a subjection to phenomenal acceleration. And here we get one of the, um, the the earliest examples of what an asset Ed Bishop is to this show, basically just giving him this entire scene, which could have been another very dry info dump, info heavy scene where people are rattling off numbers and things, but here he's... Times the speed of light. He's just magnificent in this scene. Two. Who are they? And it's not a particularly interesting one. In science and technology. At least what he's got to say. But everything in this report seems to add up to a dying race. Hereditary sterility was evident. How that works, I have no idea. Drugs and advanced trans... Yeah, that, that basically means if your father was sterile, then you'll be sterile too. They're also highly intelligent, so they presumably come to Earth knowing the risk of contact with our atmosphere. I think Dr. Schroeder might have fumbled something there. This report indicates five major organ and gland transplants. In the case of the heart, tissue compatibility tests shows that it was human in origin. It came from Earth, gentlemen. Mm, and this is a very Therefore, one of the understated horrific element of the, the, the core um, idea of the series. Imagine a dying planet. And it's a very it's a very interesting idea that they didn't really need to incorporate. Source is exhausted. Its inhabitants sterile. Doomed to extinction. Situation we may one day find ourselves in, gentlemen. Oh not if I have anything to do with it. Shut up, Alex. Discover Earth. Yeah, you could do a, a live-action alien invasion series without this element. With animosity, but with... But it, it gives the aliens a motivation for coming. It gives Shadow a serious reason to, to assume they're hostile and to want to combat them. But it also... They are driven by circumstance across a billion miles of space. Driven on by the greatest force in the universe. Survival. Sorry, I keep halting there because there's so many good moments of Ed Bishop there. But yes, going back to the idea of the of the aliens harvesting organs, and, and most of that is off screen throughout the whole series. But um, it's such a horrible idea, and you get the impression that there's such a human cost to this that your imagination really fills in a lot of the gaps. Right. Particularly with the the conclusion of this story, which uh, I think is quite strong. Despite the fact that um, Straker is choosing to impart his uh, his information about um, the alien that they've discovered at the secret alien fighting organization of which he is the commander, to tell me in the lobby of the studio. 
luckily there aren't many people around, but uh, Straker and Carlin didn't know that. It's about my sister, isn't it? I'm afraid she's dead, Peter. There's no longer any doubt. It's also an interesting set to hold this conversation on. It looks quite nice. Of course, it's not a set, it's a real building, in fact. I don't think you'd like to know the details. I think I'd like to know. Well, we've got part of her downstairs in a bucket. I'm sure Dr. Schroeder would show it to you if you asked nicely. The alien's body recovered from the sea was subjected to intense medical examination. The heart was a transplant. The donor was Leela Carlin. Oh, that's so horrible. And uh, Peter Gordino is actually doing a, a reasonably good job here. Looking kind of shocked, but... You realize, of course, that they can never know the truth. Yeah, the family can never know the truth. But it is quite... Even though you know, we barely saw Leela for you know, only a, a, a minute or two, to think, oh yeah, she, she wasn't just killed, she... Um, Without a body. She was taken off by aliens and had her heart scooped out. A long finger of tragic coincidence stretching across a billion miles of space. More wonderful Straker speechifying. Where does the universe end? Where does it begin? Although that that's not the best line to end the episode on, but the fact that we've got it with Straker looking all morose um, it kind of ends the episode on a high that uh, it's it, it hasn't always uh, reached this week, I've got to say. Uh, Identified is not one of my favourite episodes, either of UFO or um, in terms of first episodes. This throws a lot of stuff in there, but um, the story isn't really enough to fill the running time, so we get these long scenes of either people shouting off numbers or words at each other, or just sitting around, looking bored. Um, so it's never been one of my, my favourite episodes of UFO. Thankfully, the show would improve considerably from this point, and it's not a bad opener, it's just, you know... You could trim about 10 minutes off this and uh, you wouldn't really lose too much. So uh, not a strong opening to UFO, but uh, luckily the show would go on to bigger and better things very quickly. I made it to the end without any more disasters.